episode 58, Sober October. So funny thing about this is that I've been wanting to do an episode about alcohol for a long time now. Um, there's actually a few people that I'm going to talk to in the future about recall, uh, recovering from alcoholism, but this episode really isn't about alcohol addiction per se. It's more about just weighing the pros and cons of drinking alcohol. So this, uh, this episode is actually inspired by, it was really late at night. It was probably, I don't know, midnight. And I was thinking about alcohol for some reason. I don't know. My brain was just going everywhere. And then I thought of this quote that was basically like, alcohol kills the fire within a man's belly. And you guys know that whenever I refer to fire in the belly, um, that's like your passion for life. It's your ambition. It's your lust. It's your libido. Everything that drives you forward. It's that pulling feeling that I always talk about when you're on the right path. It kind of pulls you to the ground and grounds you. And when you drink alcohol, you know, at least in abundance, you kind of kill that ambition and you kind of kill that libido. That's what I've talked about with marijuana too in that episode that I talked about um, on my Patreon about the weighing the pros and cons of of marijuana. So then I, I hosted a poll about if alcohol is more bad or more good. And I know it's a very, very vague question. Most people landed right in the middle, but I did that for a reason. I genuinely wanted just somebody's, I wanted your first instinct to be one or the other. So your first thought, more bad, more good. Without diving too deep into the nuances of like, you know, choices and blah, blah, blah. I just wanted you to know, I just wanted you to think about instantly what about if it was more good or more bad. Okay, long story short, most people voted more bad. Um, and then of course, naturally, a lot of those people who voted more bad, I found this very interesting. They automatically started justifying why um, they're more in the middle, which I, I actually agree with more. So I, I came to the conclusion that alcohol does kill the fire within a man's belly. However, I looked at aspects of alcohol where it's actually appropriate to drink it. And I came to the conclusion, and this is something I talked about in the episode with Solbra. But when it comes to alcohol, I have a few rules. One, never drink alone, right? So a lot of people, especially if you're living alone, you're a male, it's so easy to go out to the gas station, buy that six packs or six pack or that 12 pack and just sit there and drink alone all night. And though it may start out fun, and you, you, maybe you're playing video games with the boys and stuff like that. I, I found it to be rather depressing after a while, um, especially once you get into the habit of every day coming back after work and, you know, just binge drinking, you drink like six beers, you're getting drunk and stuff like that. So one of my first rules of alcohol is never drink alone. Okay, so I'm done drinking alone. I've been to that point where I have like my whiskeys and stuff like that, which I love. Don't get this whole episode isn't based off of my disdain for alcohol. I love alcohol. You know what I mean? I uh, I like drinking with friends. I like how it opens up people and I like how it opens up their spirits. You have really good conversations with them and you're just generally more, quote, vulnerable in the sense of you're more willing to engage in conversation and social activity. Um, now, do I think that you should depend on alcohol for that? No, but I think it helps. Um, so going back to my original point, I don't really think it's a healthy thing to sit there at home and, and drink alone. Now, that brings me to the other side of it, which is, okay, when is the quote appropriate time? When is the best time to drink? And this is something I talked about in the Soul Bro podcast also. 
is that I think the best time to drink is when you're celebrating. Okay, so when you're at a gathering of some sort where you're around good friends, good souls, you you either know the people or whatever, it's some type of celebration. Drink when you are most joyous. I, somebody actually linked me a quote about alcohol a couple days ago. I wish I would have kept my phone in here, but he basically said, drink when you're happy and don't drink when you're sad or upset. Um, and that actually makes a lot of sense because if you look at when you're drinking around friends and stuff like that, it, it, it makes it a very enjoyable experience. It makes it a, uh, it makes it just, it's, it's different, you know, from the sober you to the, the intoxicated you. And they say that alcohol brings out the true you. And when I first heard that, I was like, nah, I don't really believe that. But I, I believe that for most people, alcohol brings out the real them. It's almost like their subconscious comes forward, especially the more drunk they get and you get to see who they really are as a person. So, you know, I've had friends and stuff like that who they are alcoholics and every time they drink, you guys know those doomers, those, those, um, those alcoholic doomers are just people who drink where they start drinking and they get progressively more drunk. And then as they get more drunk, they get more sad or they get more angry or they get more ranty or they just want to fight and stuff like that. I believe probably that's their true self coming out or at least uh, a different dimension of themselves that you don't see very often, obviously, because I remember there was this dude that I went to the uh, drill sergeant academy with and he was the nicest guy ever. He was really funny. He was really happy. My whole class loved him. But every time he drank, he just turned into a a different person. It was like Gollum and Smeagol. I'm not even joking. And when he drank, he was just generally unpleasant to be around. He was just not a person that I wanted to surround myself with. And I remember um, the first time I, I experienced that with him specifically. I, I mean, this has happened to me for for a bunch of people, but with him more specifically, um, you know, he's in my class. I, I got along with him really well. I hung out with him a lot, but I remember he came knocking on my door one day and I've told you guys this story before. He came knocking on my door. It was like maybe nine o'clock at night or something. We had class the next day at the drill sergeant academy. You had to wake up at like four in the morning. He knocks on my door and he's like, Hey, uh, do you want to go walk to the gas station with me? And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. But then he told me that he wanted to pick up alcohol to have in the barracks and drink in the barracks. If you drink in the barracks at the drill sergeant academy, you're kicked out of the academy. You're gone. Like there's no mercy when it comes to alcohol in the barracks, probably for good reason. You know, you're there to train, you're there to study. You're not there to drink, you know, drink outside, drink at the bar. So now I'm a, I'm an accomplice in this quote crime in the eyes of the DSA, which if it was outside of the DSA, I don't really care. You know, we used to drink in the barracks all the time, underage drinking. That was like nothing special and stuff like that. But at the DSA, that wasn't the place to do it. And I basically was like, oh, you want to go that you want to go to the, the PX to get alcohol and bring it back to the barracks. And he was like, yeah, you know why? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to come with you to, to do that. And by, oh, mind you, when he came to my door, he was already drunk. And he basically got super mad at me, started calling me a pussy, started calling me a coward and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to risk my military career because you want some drinkies like that's not going to happen. And he just turned into a whole different person. And that continuously happened throughout the nine weeks that I was there, you know, and to summarize that story, um, I went from really liking this guy to kind of despising him and I didn't want to be around him anymore. And then, you know, just a cherry on freaking top. We actually had the same flight home. And I watched him buy like seven or eight Jack Daniels on the flight to the point where they stopped providing him with alcohol because he started getting really loud. And then he tried to start a fight with somebody on the plane. 
a female of all people, he tried to start a fight with a woman on the plane. And I'm like, here's this dude who was a good friend of mine in, you know, the first couple of weeks, so much so that we went out to have lunch together and stuff like that to kind of unwind and just talk. So now I'm looking at this guy and he's a raging alcoholic fighting with people on an airplane when we should be, you know, happy to go home and to, you know, see our family again. And he just turned into an angry person. And, you know, to, not to go too much into his backstory, but we had a lot of deep conversations about how he was adopted and stuff like that and how his parents abandoned him. And he's half black and half white. So he had like this complex of not being accepted by his people, you know, black people and white people. So he's kind of in the middle. So it's understand it's, it's kind of crazy, like all of that rage and all that anger comes out. You know, I know that's kind of an anecdote, but at a certain point, I'm recognizing patterns of of the true person coming out of the person who drinks. You know, on the, on the other hand, you have people who drink and this is kind of like myself when I get more drunk is um, just really chill, really relaxed and just generally joyous, especially when I'm around people that I really respect and that I love, you know, whether it's family or friends or whatever it is. Um, so drink around good people who make you happy and don't drink alone. Don't drink home. Don't drink at home alone. Drink when you're celebrating. And obviously this is a, a big thing about um, alcohol is is moderation right so i there's something that's really interesting and i haven't done too much research into this we could do it right now you know if we got yeah we got time i'll, I'll search this up right now but basically um what alcohol actually does to your mind so there's been times and i'm sure you guys can attest to this also this probably happened to you but when you drink and you get hung over you're not just hung over for that next day you're hung over for like three to four days after that at least for me there has been times there was a maybe about two months ago i was drinking with a good friend of mine and i drank brandy for the first time and i i apparently love brandy and i just drank too much and, and i got really hung over but there was that next day where i just laid in bed all day right so there, there's that whole day gone bye bye out the window whole day waste i don't like wasting days but then for like two to three days after that I had like this uh, chemical imbalance in my brain where I'm pretty sure all my dopamine and serotonin was just shot or gone or depleted or I wasn't able to harness it properly because maybe I damaged my brain because a hangover is essentially brain damage. I don't know if you guys know that, but a hangover is literally brain damage. Um, but I was uh, chemically hungover for like three to four days. And I just felt like I couldn't work out. I couldn't really be happy. I still felt sick. You know, I still felt a little shaky. And I was like, this is, that was like, that was the last time I really, really drank maybe three months ago or two months ago and, or whenever it was, I don't know if he's listening to this, he'll know it was probably about two months ago. And, um, yeah, I just realized that this is, this is poison. This is poison. And, and you, and of course you can argue, okay, alcohol in moderation is fine, but more often than not, a lot of us are unable to moderate their alcohol intake and to get to the point to where it, it takes a lot of willpower, especially when you're around friends and stuff like that, to to drink to the point to where you realize, okay, I feel pretty good, but if I have literally one more beer, I'm going to be sick and then my day, next day is going to get ruined. So you can easily justify drinking alcohol, which is what I do, to drinking to a point to where I have a decent buzz on and I feel good, I feel open, you know, I'm just kind of floating around the rooms, talking to everybody and I'm having a joyous time. But then I also understand to myself that if I have one or two more beers or I love Jack and Cokes, then I'm going to be overboard, I'm going to be sick. It's something that kind of comes with age, especially as your hangovers get worse and worse. But 
you know, one of my really good friends, James Shortway, I've told you guys this before, and this is a rule that's always stuck with me. I said that, or he said that always stay less drunk than everyone else. I never forgot that. That was like three years ago that he told me that. And I love him for this because something that simple, always stay less drunk than everyone else completely changed, you know, my uh, relationship with uh, socializing in the combination of alcohol. And it's crazy because if any of you guys are just, you know, maybe you haven't drank in years or you don't drink or whatever, but you're hanging around drunk people to sit there from the outside and be at least the more sober one, if not completely sober and look at the way drunk people interact with each other. I'm talking shit faced. It is cringe. It is very, very hard to watch and very, very hard to be around. And that is when you, you when you kind of look at what alcohol does from people from the outside in. It kind of gives you a good idea that maybe alcohol is more bad than good. And you know what? I, I don't disagree with the people who say that alcohol is is neither and you can moderate it. But like at what point are you going to realize or this is when I realized for myself, like even in moderation, is alcohol hurting me or is it is it doing more good for me? And, and I just came to the conclusion that I have, there's virtually no benefits to drinking alcohol outside of like your occasional celebration, you know, because I went into details about how you're hung over for days and days after and stuff like that. And now I'm even wondering what, uh, what effect alcohol has on like, for example, your testosterone level. So let's Google this alcohol and testosterone levels. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if it affects your testosterone. So, so I'm just Googling this. This is on healthline.com. I just Google this. I don't even know if this is bullshit or not, but you guys, the reason why I'm bringing this up to you is just a thought. So you guys can look into it yourselves, but how heavy alcohol consumption can lower your testosterone levels and impair your fertility. Heavy drinking for men is considered to be more than 15 drinks per week. Quitting alcohol or lowering, lowering your alcohol intake to a safe level may reverse, um, the cause of some damage caused by chronic drinking. So I'm going to look more into what alcohol actually does to your testosterone levels. But I know for a fact that when I've had severe hangovers, I can actually feel when I have lower testosterone or when my body's not properly harnessing testosterone levels. And um, yeah, I could feel it. And I, I definitely can see, especially how beer affects your testosterone levels and there's a new saying going around within the twitter sphere the one that i'm following you know all these people like you know uh, uh just all these people you get you guys know who i follow like the glorious one and stuff like that but basically they're saying uh beer is soy so soy is this meme that's kind of going around where they say that soy decreases your testosterone levels and that increases your estrogen levels and now people are starting to say that beer is does the same thing now does it actually take your does it have the same effects as like an estrogenic something that lowers your testosterone levels i don't know but the point is is that drinking excess amounts of alcohol feels like it is quote soy feels like it's low testosterone um, it kills the fire within your belly. You know, it kills your libido. It kills your ambition, your testosterone. Um, I could be completely wrong. However, you know, if we're analyzing patterns here and we're looking at, you know, males consumption of alcohol, it doesn't seem to be doing them, you know, well, and you have to remember. So, so 
I'm, I'm kind of on the conclusion that alcohol is more bad and I agree that you can moderate it, but even in moderation, I feel like I'm going to slowly stop drinking it. You know what I mean? So anyways, this whole, the whole inspiration for this episode came from me making a bet to myself that I was like, I, I forgot how, okay. So it came from that quote. And then I, and then I said to myself, okay, I'm not going to drink for the rest of October for the next 30 days. That's what I said. And then people are like, oh, so sober October. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that sober October. I never even heard of that. So I was like, all right, I'm going to participate in sober October then sober October. Let's actually Google this sober October. What is sober October and what are the rules? Sober October is the new and more poetic dry January. It involves cutting out alcohol for 31 days, often for charity. What the heck? I didn't know that. Um, around a decade ago, the Australian youth organization raised money for creating blah, 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 blah. Okay, this doesn't really tell me anything. What are the rules for doing Sober October? The rules are pretty simple. First and most obvious, you don't drink alcohol. And then it goes into details about, oh, nice, an ad popped up while I was reading your article. That's uh. That's annoying. Okay. Um, but it says that apparently most people do this for charity. I'm not doing this for charity. I'm doing this for myself. Um, for a special occasion, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this this is a, one of the worst articles I've ever read. Okay, what are the benefits to going sober for a month? Okay, maybe these are some good points. Let's read this together. Uh, Hillary, blah, 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 at Eat Clean Bro says, two of the biggest benefits of subs- abstaining uh are improved sleep and healthier food choices. Drinking alcohol results in low quality sleep. She says without adequate sleep, decision-making memory and learning abilities are prepared. That's actually a really, really good point. So when I drink the most, especially maybe um, consecutive days in a row, my sleep goes considerably down. And most people can actually attest to this also. I don't know how those people who are drunk knock out and they sleep for the next 12 hours because whenever I drink, I'm it's it's impossible for me to sleep even a little bit, you know, even more than like three glasses of wine. I'm, I'm unable to sleep and I'll stay awake for a long time, no matter how tired I am. She notes that alcohol also impacts the brain's communication pathways as well as the digestive system and liver. The liver is responsible for detoxifying and removing alcohol from the blood, Siri says. Over time, the process can lead to a condition known as fatty liver. Okay, so that's pretty obvious at that point. Um, Siri says, um, okay, so this is a, is it worth trying sober October? Siri says, if only as an experiment to see what your body can do without booze. Quote, I think in one month of, of the sober month, there can be long-term effects, Siri says. One of the biggest effects is a better relate a better awareness of a person's relationship with alcohol there's also a sense of accomplishment that can lead to uh, lasting changes moderate or heavy drinkers may notice higher energy levels weight loss or even a stronger immune system you know i completely agree with all that to give you guys a, a di- idea of how much i drink personally every day per just about every day after jiu-jitsu i actually have one glass of red wines uh, red wine. This is to help relax my muscles. It's to help me settle down and get ready for the night. It's really good. Um, you know, there's antioxidants in it and stuff like that. However, you know, um, not every weekend, but often enough on weekends, I'll go to a friend's house and I'll end up drinking enough to where the next day I feel shitty. You know what I mean? So 
at this point, it's just preventative medicine. You know, I'm looking at my relationship with alcohol right now very closely. And I'm asking myself, is it even worth it having that beer or having that whiskey or having that wine? And it's basically just like the article said, reevaluating my relationship with alcohol. And, you know, a lot of people, this is this is a lot of the appeal that people make to me about alcohol. They say, well, our ancestors used it for rituals and ceremonies and stuff like that. And celebrations. Yeah, that's totally true. In fact, like these seeresses and stuff like that, or these witches or whatever you want to call them, um, fortune tellers would actually drink, you know, in ancient Norse uh, societies would actually drink mead and stuff like that to open up their connections to the gods. And I was reading this really interesting book yesterday. Oh, what was it called? I don't remember where I got this from. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was reading about how the relationship that our ancestors had to alcohol and in ancient Norse uh, Germanic tribes or whatever you want to call them, the, there was actually a law in place, you know, this unofficial, but yet, you know, powerful law that you had to provide your guests with enough beer to last them their stay when they came at your house, a guest. And the reason for that was, is that when you drank alcohol and you were intoxicated with your guest, you actually opened up more connections to that person. And alcohol in the ancient days, you know, in, in the Germanic ancestors was actually seen as like this holy drink. And you can only imagine why, because it only makes sense because our ancient ancestors, when they drink alcohol, they didn't know that it was the body's inability to properly digest alcohol. And that's why you get drunk. They didn't know the science between any of it. All they knew is that when I go through this insane process of doing this with this plant and that with that plant, and it takes six months to do, and I drink it, I feel this way. How can that not be perceived as divine, as a holy drink, you know? And this is in all aspects of many different cultures. This isn't just ancient Germanic with mead or beer or even Greek with a wine and stuff like that. Um, you know, only recently when the magic has kind of left the world, are we are we left with what is now alcohol, which is like this depressant. You know what I mean? And also you have to remember that alcohol, the, the ingredients, the contents of it have changed dramatically. Alcohol is now, the process of it is just absolutely insane. There's a lot of chemicals involved in a lot of your alcohol. Um, you know, a lot of these preservatives and stuff like that. I, I, I'd probably imagine that to a certain extent it's stronger, but the thing is, is the accessibility. It's really easy to get nowadays. I can walk down the road and I could grab a six pack for 10 bucks and I could be set for the night. Whereas our ancient ancestors, a lot of them, beer was a uh, luxury. It was only for celebrations. It was kind of like an annual thing or when you have guests over or maybe like a Yule or Midsummer or whatever it was, they, they weren't sitting there drinking every single day. But as time goes on and alcohol became easier and easier to make for the last couple hundred years with the technology, you know, you look at what alcohol has actually done to men, especially in places like Russia and stuff like that. And it just has completely destroyed certain parts of, of the world, you know, with like vodka and accessibility has, has totally changed humans relationships with, with alcohol. So, you know, my, promise to myself was that for sober October, which not going to lie, I'm going to do the whole 31 days. So I got to go a little bit into November. I'm just going to reevaluate my relationship with alcohol. And I'm just going to see how much better I feel without drinking any red wine, 
without drinking on the weekends, without drinking at social gatherings, without any of that, just no alcohol at all. And I'm just going to evaluate my feelings. It's as simple as that. You know, I, to summarize, I believe that alcohol isn't bad, nor is it good. And, you know, I could, you can even make the argument that in moderation, it's fine. However, more often than not, um, I just think it's almost not even worth it outside of celebrations or whatever. And remember, never drink alone. Never drink uh, at night when you're by yourself. And then, of course, you have like, you know, what I talked about with the serotonin depletion, testosterone reduction, dopamine, all that stuff like that, how it hinders your brain. And I also know that alcohol has a weird connection with the way your body processes belly fat or fat in general. Basically, it takes, especially beer, you have to look at the way beer interacts with your body. So the beer is a simple carbohydrate. It's a very quick source of energy. It burns like that. So you have to remember that if you drink beer with, say, for example, a fatty steak, what your body does is it takes those simple carbohydrates from that beer. It instantly uses it at energy. And then the body is an extremely efficient machine. It looks at the saturated fats that come out of the steak. And it's like, okay, we can either use this fat for energy, which is a lot harder to use and it can burn for a lot longer, or we can store that fat in the belly, you know, essentially our little pouch for energy or fat storages. And I could just use this carbohydrate from this beer. So what it does is it instantly takes that carbohydrate and it uses it and then it stores the fat instantly. So that's, it's not beer. People think that beer makes you fat, which makes absolutely no sense, but I can understand why they think that. They think that beer makes you fat. Beer has no fat in it, guys. Your beer itself is not making you fat. What's happening is that you're kind of tricking your body's energy storages. Your body's taking the carbohydrate from the beer. It's using it for the next couple hours and it's simply storing the fat. So the food that you're drinking with the beer is making you fat or that, that you're eating with the beer is making you fat. You know, it's a common American diet for a long time. Americans were petrified of carbohydrates, even now to today, because they are under this common misconception that complex carbohydrates make you fat. No, your body stores the carbs. Uh, your body uses the carbs and stores the fat. It's uh, it's it's really simple. So that's another reason, that's another reason, I guess, you know, to, to be on the lookout about alcohol. But I, I feel like that pretty much summarizes this episode. If you guys want to participate in Sober October, I definitely recommend you at least try it out, reevaluate your relationship with alcohol and just see how you feel. See if maybe you lose some weight, you have more energy, maybe your skin clears up, you're saving money. I can't, I can't even begin to tell you how much alcoholics spend on alcohol when they go out to restaurants and stuff like it absolutely blows my freaking mind. But anyways, um, one last thing I want to leave you guys with is that I actually opened myself up to uh, online coaching and I have three different categories for my coaching that I want to go over with you guys real quick. I have modern world dating advice, which is it, it's really simple, to be honest. It's, it's no surprise that dating in the modern world is an absolute nightmare. And the mistakes that I watch men continually make when it comes to interacting with women, seeking out women that they, de they desire, you know, having issues in the relationships, they just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. So I'll help you kind of sort out some of those issues through a red pill lens, cold, hard truth, honestly. Something a lot of us need to help need to hear. This goes without being said, men's high performance coaching. 
it's it's pretty much just the the philosophies that I've taken from my podcast. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tailor them to your needs. And we're going to help you get back on the path or to make you stronger, increase your libido, testosterone, all that good stuff that I always talk about in my episode. It's going to be tailored towards you. And then the obvious military career advice. So if you're looking at joining the military, maybe you've been in the military for a while and your, your career is kind of stagnated and you just need some assistance and stuff like that, definitely check out the link below. It's my, my clarity platform. I have about five calls booked already and we'll go from there. But, uh, one, one last thing, remember you guys, you guys have access to my Patreon, just Google search for Munin and Patreon and it'll pop up. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. But anyways, you guys have a fantastic Tuesday. Check out sober October and reevaluate your relationship with alcohol. Have a good one.